Alright, it's so good to see you today. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I see some new faces. I know some people are visiting maybe for Labor Day. I am so glad that you're here. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm so glad that you're here at Stevenson Church to be with us, worship with us, to learn with us. We are all about helping people follow Jesus. And we want to help you today follow Jesus. And we hope that we can do that a little bit through what we have been calling this series, Undignified, as we've been learning about what worship is, how to worship like a king. So today is the last message in that series. If you missed any, you can go online to thechurch.com. We have the video and audio under our media tab. So make sure you check that out if you missed any. But next week, we're starting a new series. Is anybody excited about that? It's going to be really good. It is called Hashtag Relationship Goals. <laughs> Relationship goals. And this is a series about marriage, about family, about parenting. It's going to be a great series as we learn from God's Word over about five weeks, starting next Sunday, September 9th. So be here. This is going to be a great series for those of you who are married, for those of you who are parents, for those of you who may one day be married or have parents, or if you know someone who's married or has kids. Right? Because here's the thing about this series. Some of you are like, Matt, I need this series right now. I need to work on something in my relationship with my kids or with my spouse. I need this series. Others of you are thinking maybe you're young. And you're like, I don't need this. That's way far off in the future. It's going to be here before you know it. You don't even know. You know, It's going to be here before you know it. And it's good to learn some stuff now uh, as kind of a foundation for the time that you are married and have kids in the future. Or if you're like, Matt, I'm single. Never get married. Never have kids. But you can learn so you can support your friends and say, Thank goodness I don't have those problems. <laughs> this is going to be a great series, so make sure you're here next week with Relationship Goals. It's going to be serious for everybody, right? It's going to be good. Um, so today, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it and jump to Psalm chapter 55. The 55th Psalm, or Song, in the Bible. You know, in this series, Undignified, we've been learning to worship like a king. King David. And David was, of course, this great king. Most people know him for slaying the giant. But he also was an amazing worship leader. He really established how to worship God for his for God's people. And he wrote almost half of the psalms we have. And this was a hymnal, basically, for those people. This list of songs is songs. And today we're going to look at one in particular. It sounds almost like his personal prayer, but we all can kind of jump in on it. And I do want to say this is kind of a truth we've talked about before in this series. But whenever you're worshiping, when we're singing and praising, because that is an act of worship, we're also praying. Whenever we're singing, we're also praying. So it's just kind of praying together as a group. So we're doing that as a group, as a, as a community, as a body, that we come together and we're praying and worshiping. So a lot of this message will apply in particular to private prayer, but it will also apply to worship as we come together to pray. So private worship, public worship, private prayer, public prayer, right? Kind of so we're going to talk about today, because in this series, as we wrap it up, we're going to see that David is brutally, extremely honest to God. And, and we're going to learn that we too can be that way. Because I think too often, we get mixed up and think you have to be very formal in your relationship with God. I went to a church for a while as a kid, and it was this old congregational church. And it a really good church, but man, was it formal it was an extreme dress code. Men had to wear coats. I had a little clip-on tie that I'd wear every week. Some of you guys still wear your clip-on ties. That's okay. And it's just so formal. You go in there and you sit down and you stand up. The, the hymns, uh, the numbers of the hymns that you're going to sing are written up on this placard up on the stage. And the, the pastors are um, 
read, you know, these these prayers, and it's just so formal, isn't it? Pastors, there's like four guys, and they would sit on the stage in these big old thrones, and they would be up there, and, and you didn't know when to stand or sit or how to sing, and it was the organ music and all this stuff. And I remember praying prayers, and I, I, it took me like a decade to learn what hallowed me. Hallowed. What is that word? You know, it's so formal. These and that. Was it. Who is it talking about? How is it all going? Let's try this mic. Thank you, Ben. Can you give a hand to Ben? Thank you. Ben's here uh, running the sound. That, thanks, something's going on with my wife. That helps. Um, but yeah, this service was just so formal, so rigid, and I felt like, well, that's how you have to do it. I didn't even know what hallowed means. Some of you were like, I still don't know what hallowed means. That's okay, it means holy. And what does that mean? It means set apart for something special. And that's what we're saying about God, hallowed be your name. But you're like, I don't know how to pray it so formally. God did these, these, and that was, and our fatherest in heaven, and thou art the greatest of all the. And it's so hard to talk, right? It's like this language that hasn't been spoken in 400 years. Does worship, does prayer, does church have to be that way? And there's something special about being formal and, and, and that kind of stuff. And sometimes that really speaks to people if they are formal. But the hard thing is we can get stuck that way. And we don't realize that God actually wants us to be honest with Him. To come before Him wherever we are in our heart. Because some of you came in this morning and you barely made it here. You got dragged you barely made out of bed to make it here because you don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like being around Christians. You don't want to hear from God. You don't want to even talk to Him. And that's okay. And that's what we're going to learn today because sometimes, in fact, all the time, we can and should be honest to God. So let's look in Psalm 55 together. This is a psalm that King David wrote. It's one of his songs. And it was literally, it says, it was written for a stringed instrument. He played a form of the harp. And he wrote this song. And he starts out in verse 1 by saying, Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Just want to stop there for a second. Because we read that saying, Listen, God, hear me, I need help. In Hebrew and in English, this is not formal. It doesn't start out with these and thou's, and our greatest Father in heaven, thou creator of all things, uh, heavenly being that has the angels before him and the cherubim. It doesn't start that way, does it? It just says, God, listen to me. Hear me. I need some help. So what I want you to realize, and we're going to pick up four different things about David's prayer and his worship, that we are in turn going to learn for ourselves so we can worship like a king as well. And the first one I want you to see from this very first verse is that David is real. Pretty simple, right? David is very real. He's not pretending to be formal. He's not... Um, putting on this air of, I'm the great worship leader, I'm the king, everybody's looking at me, so I need to be real formal and show people how that they should pray. No, he's just like, God, I need help. He's just real, he's authentic, he's himself. Whatever he's feeling in his heart, he's going to express to God. God wants us to be real. Whatever you are feeling, whether it's happy or sad, angry, confused, whatever that emotion that you have, we can just be real before God. Just talk to him. I have a lot of people that will come to me and say, Matt, I don't know how to pray. I didn't grow up in church, I don't know how to pray. And I say, there are things you can learn about prayer. You can get better at praying. But if you can talk to me, you can talk to God. If you can talk to me, you can talk to God. You don't need to know this fancy language. You don't need to do all that stuff. Some of us wonder, okay, do I need, is it fingers up, fingers down, closed eyes, head up, head down? Can I be, do I have to be kneeling? Can I be laying down in bed? People have these questions. We all do, right? Well, what's the proper way? The Bible doesn't really say. 
just says we need to communicate with God. Sure, it might help you to get on your knees. It might help you to close your eyes. But really, the point is we need to be real and talk to God. In worship, in prayer, we need to talk to Him. We need to talk to Him. Jesus would pick this up in John chapter 4, verse 24. He told a woman, He said, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. That spirit here is more than likely not the Holy Spirit. It's saying we're supposed to worship God and pray to God from our spirit, our soul. Whatever we have inside of us, wherever we are in our heart and our soul, we need to go to God. And in truth, if you're going to worship in truth, you can't be hiding, you can't be pretending. And some of us do that when we come in on Sunday mornings. We get dressed up, we make sure we look good, we take a shower, some mouthwash so nobody can smell what we were drinking last night. Right? We, we pretend to be like better than we are. We want everybody... And, and it's easy. We can fool everybody in here. You can fool me. But you can't fool God. God knows exactly what's going on in your heart. He knows what you did last night. <laughs> or this morning. Or didn't do. He knows what's going on inside your soul. And He loves you. He says, just be real with me. You know, Jesus would call out the religious people of His day. And He called them whitewashed tombs. Because they were painted on the outside, looked great, but inside were dead. And that's the opposite of what we're supposed to do. God calls us to be real with Him. To just say, hey, this is what's going on in my soul. I think a lot of us are like that little kid with chocolate all over his mouth. Mom's like, Johnny, did you eat the chocolate bar? No. Chocolate all over his down on his shirt. You can't hide it. God sees exactly what's going on. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to hide it. We can be real with God. And David is going to get very real in this psalm. Very real. Look at in verse 2. It says, My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught, because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. Listen how he starts out. My thoughts trouble me. I'm having some bad thoughts. I'm distraught. I'm worried. He tells us a little bit about what's going on because he says the enemy is saying something against him. Meaning someone is slandering him or gossiping about him, maybe trying to ruin his reputation by saying things. Has that ever happened to you? Someone that maybe you confided in or trusted said something and, and broke that trust? Maybe they knew something about you and they blabbed it to everyone and you wanted it to be private? Maybe they're saying something just awful about you that isn't even true, but it's hurting your reputation. That's what David is feeling right now. And he's distraught because of it. This is what he goes on to say. Listen to this in verse 3 and verse 4. He says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. This is terrible stuff that he's going through. He's trembling because sometimes the feelings that we have, the emotions that are inside of our heart, actually lead us to physical responses, right? We, it may just be going on in your, in your heart, in your mind, but you feel the burden. You've been there? Give you panic attacks, anxiety, this burden. That's what David is experiencing. And he goes on to even say this in verse 6. I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. David's using some poetic language here. He's a, a phenomenal writer. 
Very great songwriter. He's using this imagery of a dove, but you know what he's saying through that imagery, through that metaphor? He's saying, I want to run away. I want to get out of here. I just want to leave everything behind and get out of here. I can't stand it anymore. You've been there? You're the, the wife and the mother, and you're working hard and taking care of the kids, and then your husband comes home and he's a jerk to you, doesn't throw it, help at all with, with anything? Maybe I'll just get out of here, see how he deals with it. You just want to get out of here, run away from the burdens, the responsibilities you have weighing on you. If I could just get out of here and run away by myself. You know, I think this language too, he's saying, I wish I could go to the desert. I wonder, I wonder if even he is saying, poetically, I don't even want to live anymore. That's what David is saying. He's expressing what he feels. I just want to get out of here so that no one can see me in the desert. I I don't even want to live here anymore. These are the thoughts. That's probably why it's troubling David here. He's very troubled by what he's feeling because he doesn't want to be there. Doesn't maybe even want to live anymore. Things are that bad. And you know what? David is the example for how we're supposed to pray. How we're supposed to worship. So the second thing I want you to learn from David is that he is raw. He's not hiding anything. He's not pretending to have it together. He's saying, and he wrote it down so all of Israel and all Christians of all time could read this. Saying, I want to escape and run away. I don't want to do anything of my responsibilities. I want to get out of here. David's wrong. He's unfiltered. He's just letting it all out, right? And this is good. This is what we're supposed to do in prayer and worship. Whatever we're feeling, as awful it is. Because the thing is, you will tell this to some people and they will look at you like you're terrible. You'll feel so judged. But guess what? God doesn't care. He loves you. In fact, he wants you to bring these emotions and feelings to him. He cares about you so much, he just wants to listen to it. With the raw emotions that you're feeling inside of yourself, he cares about it. He wants you to take it to him. And you know what's amazing? For those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we're taught that God gives us the Holy Spirit inside of us. When we ask Jesus into our heart, we use that language, what we're doing is asking the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit actually helps whatever we're feeling and thinking and going through, takes that and brings it to God. What's amazing is sometimes you can't even put it into words. We're not poetic. We're not a songwriter. I can't talk about doves flying into the desert. You know, you just feel this, Argh! You've been there? You can't even put it to words how you're feeling. Guess what? The Holy Spirit helps us with that. It tells us in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit helps us with our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself speaks to God for us. Even begs God for us with deep feelings that word cannot explain. No matter what you're feeling, the depth of that emotion, as raw as you feel, as raw as you are, Praise God. Holy Spirit helps you bring that to your emotions. You know, that's one of the reasons why in songs, sometimes we just like sing like, ah, We're like, Matt, there's no words there. We're going to sing a song a little later that doesn't even have words in one section. You know? Why do we do that? Because sometimes it's just emotive, right? Just feel something. And we can just let that go to God when we pray as individuals or when we're together as a group. Because the Holy Spirit can help us even when we can't put it into words to express what we're feeling. And that's so important. But there's a third thing that David shows us in his song. Now I want you to jump down to verse 
12. We're not going to read every word in every verse today, so go read it on your own this week. It's good stuff. Verse 12, David writes, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God. Up until this point, we thought the enemy he's talking about maybe was a Philistine, Goliath, some enemy out there, but that's not what's going on, is it? David is saying this enemy who's saying awful things about him was once his very close friend, a best friend. Even a believer, they enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God. This is another Christian. This is a best friend, and, and you confided in them. They know your heart, and all of a sudden, they've done this? You've been there? Someone you trusted and love is saying things about you. Maybe they're true, maybe they're not, but it's ruining your reputation. You feel awful and terrible. And this was someone you loved. It makes it even worse, doesn't it? And that's why David said that. If it were an enemy insulting me, I could do it. I could deal with that. If it was somebody else, that'd be fine. I could handle that. I could handle that criticism, but not from someone like this. Another Christian. I thought they were godly. How could they act like this? How could they say that? See what David's going through here? Do you feel that emotion? Well, it's going to get even worse. He said this in verse 15. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. So this person who's betrayed David, this friend that he loved, he's saying... I wish they were dead. And asking God to do it. That middle line, we have a phrase for that in English, don't we? Actually, probably a few. <laughs> hope you burn in hell. Right? I hope you go to hell. Alive in the realm of the dead. That's what David is saying to this person who was once his friend. I hope you burn. You'll be anger that he's feeling. Because this was someone he loved and trusted who was betrayed him and turned against him. And you know what? This is an example for us for how to pray and worship. Because we do have these emotions. Some of you in here are like, man, this is crazy. I don't know if I can handle this. That's because you haven't felt it yet. But maybe you will someday. Hopefully not. And some of you in here, you've told somebody, I just wish I could hurt that person. Kill them. I want something bad to happen. I hope they get cancer. You will say that to a friend or a spouse and maybe even your counselor and they will look at you with disgust. <gasps> but you know who can handle that? God. Seriously. I've talked to some of you. I've talked to people. I just want to kill that person. It ruined my life. Because that's what we feel, right? That anger, that vindictiveness. We want them to suffer for what they have done to us. And maybe no one else around you can handle that emotion, but God can. God can. Maybe you saw this in the news about um, that man up in, in Montbello who killed his wife, and his pregnant wife and two daughters. Did you hear about that story? Well, his brother-in-law went on, or her brother-in-law went on Facebook right after this incident. And this is what he wrote online for everyone to read. The pain and anger and sadness I have in my heart my blood 
is boiling. Nothing, absolutely nothing, would get in my way of taking away his life like he did mine and my entire family. This is how we feel when something awful happens, right? And, and maybe you're like, man, I've never been there, I've never felt that. That's good. <laughs> Hopefully you never get there. But if you do, do you know who can handle that emotion? God. Don't write it on Facebook. <laughs> Don't. People know you need help. And you probably do. But, but that's the emotion we feel. And God can help us in that. He wants to help us in there. So here's the third thing we learn about David. David, in this psalm, in this prayer, in this worship that he's leading others into, he is enraged. He's filled with anger and vindictiveness even. But you know what? God wants us to bring that to him. Because if we don't, what we're going to do is put it on someone else. We're going to act on it. But we're taught very clearly in Romans. Don't, dear friends, Paul wrote, don't try to get even. Let God take revenge. Let God take revenge. We're allowed to pray for God to hurt that person. Because <laughs> that's the emotion we feel, right? It's how raw we are and enraged we can become sometimes. We're supposed to tell God about that. God, you handle this. You bring justice. You make that person suffer for what I have had to suffer. You're saying, well, Matt, is that okay? Probably not. Hopefully we can heal through that. But you will have that emotion. It's true. It's real. It's raw. And what we need to do is bring that to God. So that we don't end up taking it out on someone. Or usually we take it out on someone close to us and not that person. Sometimes we do. We're like, I'm going to write them this letter. I'm going to publish some information on them that people don't really know. Get it anonymously. I'm going to leave some flaming dog poop on their front yard. We think of all these crazy ways to get back at this person, ruin their reputation, ruin their career. But God says, no, 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 just bring that to him. And that's what David does. He teaches us how to do it. When we are angry at this person, they betrayed me. Bring it to God. He can handle your rage when you're angry. He can handle it. Um, <clears throat> but the amazing thing about this song, it, it takes a, a turn here in verse 16. And I want you guys to see this. David, after laying everything out there, all his emotions, everything he's feeling, he says this, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice, he rescues me unarmed. See, throughout all this emotion, all the stuff that he's going through, maybe even he's angry at God. Some of us have been there. Whatever we're feeling... David is saying, we need to go to God and go again and again and again and again and again. Evening, morning, and noon, all day long, three times a day, multiple times. He's saying, I'm going again and again and again to God. And he closes out the psalm in verse 23 by saying, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. I want their life ruined. I want justice for them. But David is saying, throughout all this, I'm going to trust in God. And he's teaching us to do the same thing. Because this is what faith is. When we're angry, when we're sad, when we're distraught, when we're anxious, no matter the feeling we're going through, no matter how bad we are, even if we're mad at God himself, we need to go to God again, and again, and again, and again. So the fourth thing we learn from David is that we need to be relentless. Go to God again. Things haven't been made right yet. Go to Him again. I don't feel better now. Go back. 
I still feel awful, go again. I don't want to get out of bed this morning, go to church. Keep praying, keep seeking God morning, noon, and night. Keep going. Be relentless with God because everything is going to lead you away from that. You're not going to want to open up your Bible. You're not going to want to pray. You're definitely not going to want to go to church, be around all those other people. Their life is so great. They don't know what I have gone through. That's when you need to go to God the most. That's when you need to go back to church. I'm going to force myself to be there, even if it's that person across the aisle who betrayed me. It happens in community, right? We've got to keep going because God is relentless to us, so we must be relentless back. That's what faith is, even if we don't feel it, even if we're angry. You know, Jesus tells a story. He tells the story about this poor widow, and she was wronged. She had an injustice against her, and she deserved justice. So she went to this judge, and Jesus says it was a merciless judge, so he had no mercy. The unmerciful judge is called in Jesus' story. And she goes to this judge, and he's a bad dude, he's corrupt, he's probably taking bribes, he doesn't care about the poor. And she says, I, I want to get justice in court. And the judge says, no. So she goes back again, asks for help. He says, no. So she goes again and again and again and again and again and again. And she keeps going every day to this judge. Even though he's an awful, terrible judge, he finally says, fine, I'll give you what you want. Because she was relentless. She kept going. And Jesus said, if a terrible, bad, unmerciful judge is willing to do that for, for someone, how much more so your father who actually cares about you? And this is what Jesus says in Luke 18. He says, Won't God give his chosen people justice when they cry out to him for help day and night? Is he slow to help them? I can guarantee that he will give them justice quickly. We haven't maybe gotten the justice yet. Things haven't gotten better yet. But we still got to be relentless. Keep asking for help. Keep going with the person who can handle your emotions. The God of justice. The God who cares. The God who loves you. <coughs> There's so much emotion in this passage, isn't there? That David is expressing. I mean, he expresses it so well. Beautiful song. Beautiful songwriter. Even in the scariness of what he's saying and asking for. I mean, David is just so real. He's raw. He's enraged even, and he's relentless. But what's amazing is that whole personal prayer that he's writing down as a song for us takes a turn in verse 22. And I want you to notice this verse. In verse 22, David writes to everyone, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You've probably heard that before. Peter took this up, and in the New Testament, he quotes this verse. Cast your cares on the Lord. So David is saying, I've shared all my emotions and put them all out there for everyone forever to hear and see. But whatever your emotions are, because you may experience something similar, you may experience something totally different, you may be feeling something right now that's not what David expressed. But David said, no matter what that is, whatever your care is, whatever your burden, cast it on the Lord. All that emotion, all that baggage, all that stuff that's weighing you down, give it to God. That word cast could be translated as throw or hurl. Just whatever you do, just... That's what David says with this word. Cast it on God. 
Throw it at God. You're feeling this. Give it to him. David says, if you want to worship like a king, if you want to worship like David, you have to cast your cares on the Lord. You know, in this series, I hope that you've learned some about worship. I hope that we've challenged you to rethink that, your, your prayer life personally, but also as we come together as the body of Christ and sing and give and all of our worship. I, I hope that you've learned, like we did in the first week, that it's not your parade. You know, it's not about you as great as you are, and as special a snowflake as God created you to be. As much as you've done, even if you're at the top of your life and field or whatever, it's not your parade. It's not about you, it's about God. And then in the second week, we learned this interesting thing about worship. That it's warfare. That we're actually fighting the spiritual forces of darkness and fighting our own self when we tell ourselves awful things by declaring God's truth. It's warfare. Most of us aren't even fighting. And then in the third week, we gave you a chance to practice worship. And hopefully you learn through Psalm 27 that true confidence comes from God as we go to Him. And then last week, Grant filled in to, to share with us about the community aspect of our worship. We do this together. It's not just individual relationship we have with God. We do it together. And we learn that unity is the perfume of the church. Sometimes we're stinky. But when we come together and we fight for the unity of our church and come together in worship, God is doing something amazing in us and with us and through us. But this is what I want you to learn today from this song. God wants you to throw things. Isn't that what David said? God wants you to throw things. You're feeling all that stuff. Whatever it is. And God wants you to throw it at Him. Cast your cares on Him. Hurl it at Him. Throw it as hard as you can. He can catch it. Even if nobody else can. And nobody else wants to. He is there to catch it. He is like the good dad who's always ready to play catch. No matter what you have to throw at him, he's ready and waiting and eager to catch it. As hard as you can throw, as awful as you feel, and awful as you feel you want to hurt that person, God can handle it. He wants to catch it. Bobby told me about one of his friends who has two young uh, daughters. And when they were really young, they were having a lot of issues and problems. And he set up a time at every dinner time, every night, that they each would have 15 minutes to say whatever they wanted and for those 15 minutes, each the girl had their time. They could, an open forum. They could say anything. They could say angry stuff. They could say what good stuff about their day, whatever their emotions were. And, and this created this um, rhythm in their family that every night they could talk. And at first, they were kind of reluctant to say things. But then as it, it grew and developed, they were able to say things. And sometimes it led to big fights. <laughs> but it also led to a lot more family reconciliation and healing. Because these girls then got in the pattern of saying what they felt, and the dad could handle it. Our Father in Heaven is like the best dad, even if we have a terrible dad. He can handle whatever we're dealing with. Even if your dad didn't want to deal with your emotions, our Father in Heaven can. And He wants to, and He wants to play catch with you. God wants you to throw things. He does. So I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to challenge you to do this. Maybe it's in your individual prayer life. When you're praying with God, just tell Him what you're feeling. Maybe it's hard for you to say it, write it out. Say whatever it is that you're feeling and tell Him. As hard as it is, as awful it is that you're thinking and feeling, just give it to God. Throw it at Him. And if you're here and you're like, Matt, I'm, I'm a man, I don't show my emotions. 
I'm not an expressive person. Like John Wayne. <laughs> Do you know who was the most manly man to ever live? Well, besides Jesus. Probably David. David was a great warrior, a king everyone looked up to and respected, and he shared the depths of his heart and emotion. I can see the tears on his face as he was going through this. No matter who you are, we can have those emotions and share them with God, even if you're afraid to do it in public. But I do challenge you, as we come together, as a church, as a body of Christ, we can come together and we can share those emotions. Even if someone around you or in another aisle, you're like, man, they don't know what I'm going through. You're, you're crying. It's okay. It's good. We're not going to judge you here. This is a judgment for his own, okay? Because we're all dealing with stuff. And maybe we're not right now. Things are going great. Matt, some of you are like, man, life is good right now. Why are you bringing me down? That's good. That's good. Maybe you're not in that place, but somebody else is. And I guarantee you there is somebody else here today that is either feeling the same thing that you are, has felt it, or will feel it. So that's how it goes. We all have these feelings, and as we come together, even if we don't feel like it, we need to worship. We need to go to God and express that stuff that's on our heart. God wants you to throw things, and He can handle it. So we're going to have the, the band come up right now. And they're going to lead us into worship, so we can have some practice with this. So I don't know what you're feeling right now, but whatever it is, Maybe it's something I've talked about or a different feeling entirely. Whatever it is, give it to God. And now is your chance to throw it at Him. To fling it at Him. So, what I want us to do is I want all of us to close our eyes right now. You don't have to close your eyes always, but right now you do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want to pray for you specifically. So I'm going to name a few different things that you may be going through. And if you are going through that, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Okay? So if you're here and you feel overwhelmed right now, there's burdens on you, there's responsibilities that you don't know if you can fulfill, it feels like it's just too much in your life, there's anxiety, there's stress building up, if you're here and you feel overwhelmed, would you please just raise your hand? Lord God, I pray for these men and women who are feeling overwhelmed right now. And I pray that you would give them strength. Lord, if they cast their cares on you right now, would you take them away from these men? Would you give them comfort? Would you give them a peace that transcends understanding so that as they face their responsibilities, they would not run away, but instead you would give them the grace that is sufficient to help them through what they're going through. Put your hand down. If you're here and you are angry, maybe you're bitter, maybe you're just vengeful even, you want to hurt that person or that that thing that happened. Maybe you're even angry at God. If you're here and you're angry, would you please raise your hand? Lord, I I pray for these men and women who are angry right now. And and you know what it's like, God. You you hear our emotions, you feel it, and you know exactly what we feel. And even if we feel awful, even for just having those thoughts, you love us. You care about us. And I pray that you would help these individuals when they're enraged. That you would give them peace in their hearts. That you would persuade them that you can handle it. That you will make things right. That you will work out all things for the good of those who love you. And I pray that you would bring justice to those situations. If you're here, you can put your hands down. If you're here and you're sad, 
feel maybe depressed or you're in grief. Maybe you're brokenhearted. Maybe it's something that everybody thinks that you're over, but you're still not. The sadness is still there. If that's you and you're feeling sad this morning, would you please raise your hand? Lord God, I pray for healing and hope for these individuals. For all of us, Lord, who are grieving and struggling. Lord, I pray that you give us hope. I pray, Lord, that you give us strength. That you would show us that you are the comforter and you love us. And when it doesn't seem like there's anything better, would you convince us and show us and persuade us that you have good plans for us. That you will make things even better than they are. Anything that we can even ask or imagine, Lord God. And I pray that you give these individuals who are sad, who are depressed, who are grieving, who are brokenhearted, would you give them healing. Lord, you heal the brokenhearted. Would you do that this morning? If you're here and you're afraid, maybe you're fearful and worried about the future, about something that could happen. You don't know what's going to happen, and it worries you to death. If you're here and you're worried or afraid, would you please raise your hand? Lord, I pray for these men and women here who are afraid. We all get fearful sometimes. But Lord, even as we walk through the paddock valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. And we claim that promise that you be with these men and women, that you give them courage today that they will be able to face whatever they're dealing with. The fear of failure, the fear of loss, the fear of anything that could happen, the unknown, Lord God. We don't know what's going to happen, but we trust that you do. Help us to not worry. Help us to be confident in you. You put your hands down. If you're here with everybody's eyes still closed and you feel guilty, Maybe there's something that's weighing on you that you did. Maybe even it was years ago. Maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe it was something last night. And you feel guilty about something that you've done. Maybe you feel shame. Maybe it's something that was done to you. And you just feel awful about it still. If, if you're here and you feel guilty or ashamed, would you please just raise your hand? Lord God, I, I pray for these men and women right now who are struggling with guilt and shame. And I pray that you remove it from them. I pray, Lord, if they have never accepted your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, they would do it right now. And as we pray and worship together, they would feel your forgiveness. That they would know that in Christ Jesus there is therefore no condemnation. That you remove all our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. You put it behind your back. You throw it in the sea. And Lord God, I pray that these men and women could stand fully in your mercy. Because you have compassion on us, even when we're sinful, even when we're filled with shame. Remove that from us and restore us again. Amen. Okay, I want to do one last thing. I want to do one last thing. I want everybody to stand up right now. Because we all have different emotions. Some of you may raise your hands, some of you don't. But we all have things. We have cares, we have worries, we have burdens. Small, big, enormous, seemingly impossible. We all have those things. And whatever it is, we got to throw it to God, right? God wants us to throw things. So what I want you to do is throw it. Physically throw it, okay? So I'm going to do this on the count of three. So what I want you to do, maybe you're like a, a, a pitcher, you're a baseball guy, and you need to just throw it overhand, right? You know, maybe you saw all person team throw it overhand. Maybe, maybe you're more soccer and you need to kind of curl it overhead. 
maybe it just feels so heavy you just kind of need to chuck it because you can't even lift it above your head it's that heavy whatever it is I want you to physically do that right now so I want you to just think about that burden think about that Karen on the count of three we're going to do that and I mean it okay one two three Lord God, we come to you and we cast our cares on you. We throw them at you because you want us to throw things. Maybe nobody else can handle it, but you can. And we trust that you love us, that you care about us, that you can bring us justice and help. And we trust you right now. Lord, we need you. Amen. So on the first Sunday of each month, we uh, take communion together. And this is remembering Jesus' death on the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed for us. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to take this with us. We're going to pass it all out and we're going to hold it together and we're going to take it together as a church family. And maybe it's the first time you've ever put your faith in Jesus Christ. Take communion with us. And, and you know the amazing thing about it is that Jesus knows exactly what we're feeling wherever we are. It says that he's a great high priest that he was able to sympathize and empathize with every feeling we're going through. He was human like us 100%. You know, we know that because he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. And then on the night that he knew that was going to happen, he prayed again and again, crying out to God with tears. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That's what Jesus felt. And when he hung there on the cross, he cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt what we feel, even the rage. And he went to his Father in heaven. What's amazing is that he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day and ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, where he intercedes for us. So when we pray, Jesus hears us, and he can handle our emotions. That's the Jesus we remember when we take communion. Thank you.